We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We've already talked about the fact that God has given us everything we need to live in peace, to be courageous. He's given us everything we need to be dependable and faithful. He's given us everything that we need to be optimistic and to be encouragers to those around us. So now we move on into the scripture and we see these words written in 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to begin in verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I want you to underline that. Not only life, but godliness. You see, it's not just enough to be an overcoming believer. He wants you to look like him. Everything pertains to life and godliness. Through the knowledge, if you break that word knowledge down, it really means getting to know him personally and intimately. Many people say, I know God, I know Jesus, but it's a surface knowledge. I know a lot of people, but I know few people very, very well, intimately, personally. That's the way it is with God. We have to make it a priority so that we know him personally and intimately in order for his characteristics to be displayed in our lives. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue and by which we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Now tie that right back to the previous verse. He's given us everything required for life and godliness. And then he says, I've given you what you need through these great promises so that you can be partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? It means so that you can look like your father. It means so that you can act like your Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything needed so you can be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So I ask you a question this morning. Are you godly? Now before you answer that, before you answer that, let me give you some instruction. Often we answer that question based on a mistaken notion of what godliness really is. Many confuse godliness with being religious. They're not even in the same zip code. They're not even remotely the alike. Others believe that, believe that godliness is only for those who are of advanced age. If you're old enough, you probably have got through all the temptations, so now you can be godly. That's bunk too. I'm here to tell you, that's not right. As long as you're living and breathing and walking in shoe leather, you're going to face a very real enemy who wants everything but godliness for your life. So that's not true either. Others are convinced that godliness is only possible in another time or another culture. Because we have so many things coming at us all at once, so many things that turn us away from Him. That's bunk as well. Some think godliness is reserved for those who are involved in professional church work, like preachers. Let me tell you something. I've known a lot of very ungodly preachers. So holding a position doesn't mean that you're godly. Having a title doesn't mean that you're godly. Because you say, I'm an apostle, I'm an evangelist, I'm a deacon, I'm a preacher, I'm an elder, doesn't mean you're godly. 
Show those slides for me, would you please? I want you to look at this slideshow and I want you to be the judge today and determine which of these people really are godly people. And when you see that, there you go. Shout yes or no if they're godly. I'm not hearing anybody. Yes or no? Yeah, some of them you know, some of them you don't. Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? <laughs> yes or no? Yes or no? He doesn't look very godly. Yes or no? Yes or no? Better say yes on that one. Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Woo! See, because Samuel said it this way in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his physical appearance, for the Lord doesn't see as man sees. The Lord looks on the heart. So when we're trying to determine godliness, it's not about outside appearance. It's not about the clothes I wear. It's not about my hairstyle, the length of your skirt. It's not about having a beard or not having a beard. It's not about wearing robes or not wearing robes. It's about what's happening in here. What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your spirit? And I've come to tell you this morning, if Jesus Christ isn't ruling and reigning in your heart and in your spirit, you are not on the road to godliness. Thank you for that one amen. I appreciate that. Doesn't matter if none of you say amen. I'm going to keep going. You see, it's in your outline. Jerry Bridges writes, Godliness is no optional luxury for a few quaint Christians of a bygone error over some group of super saints today. Matter of fact, when we read our text, Peter says godliness should be a primary characteristic of every follower of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, we'll read it later on, but Paul says these things. Physical exercise will do a little bit for you, but you need to understand at some point you're going to die and it's no good. But spiritual exercise will do a lot for you because it affects not only this life, but your eternity. So when I'm talking to you about godliness, I'm talking to you about spiritual exercise. Just as training shapes our body, increases our general health, listen to me, so does godliness increase our spiritual health and give us greater strength in this battle called Christianity. The difference implied in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 is this. No matter how well or how hard you train your physical body, it doesn't matter if you get up at 5 a.m. every morning and spend three hours in the gym before you go to work. No matter how hard you train your physical body, one day you're going to die and all that dies with you. Or one day you're going to get old and you can't push the weights anymore. You can't run on the treadmill any longer. And all that that you worked for so, for so many years is gone just like that. But if you will exert the same effort to train your spiritual man to strengthen your spiritual man, to grow up and become godly in the Lord Jesus Christ, it never dies. 
It survives the transition. You carry it with you into heaven. So this quality is eternally valuable. So the question is, how do we get it? Number one, and you need to remember this, we get the characteristic of godliness by being devoted to God. Not to the work of God. Listen to me, not to the work of God. Not to acting like God, but to the very person of God. Is there a scriptural example of this concept? Absolutely. Genesis chapter 5. You read the story of Enoch. Verse 24 says, excuse me. Verse 24 says that he walked with God. We don't know a lot about him, but Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 says he pleased God. Going back to Genesis 5, it says he walked with God and was no more because God took him. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the best way to leave this life. Amen? Amen. God just taking you. No funeral, no sad goodbyes, no lingering illness. Here I'm one day and next day I'm gone. Amen. Hey, God, would you sign me up for some of that? I want to be took by God. How about you? Amen. That's the way to exit this life. He was no more because God took him. And then Hebrews tells us God took him because he pleased God. We know almost nothing about this man's life. But what we do know is this. The commendation from God came because Enoch knew God personally. He walked with God. He was no more because God took him. Every time I go back to Fairview, Oklahoma, which is my hometown where I was raised, and everybody knows me back there, I've got more cousins than dirt in Fairview, Oklahoma. Every time I go back, Yvonne will tell you this is true, invariably I run into somebody who will say these words, you look just like your dad. You look just like your dad. Now as I've aged, I've realized that's really not a bad thing, so I don't bustle up against it like I did when I was a kid. It's okay. What they're saying is they're seeing my dad in me. So today I take that as a compliment rather than a condemnation. My physical appearance resembles his. But then if I'm around him for any period of time, I start hearing things like this. You sound like your dad. You act like your dad. And they begin telling me these things. You know, taking it even a step further, I have two sons, Chris and Philip. And so often when they were growing up, I would hear people say, you act just like your dad. And now that they both have boys, I see their firstborn, Connor is Chris's firstborn, Tyler is Philip's firstborn, and we're around them, and I see those boys acting just like their dad. And I tell them, would you quit acting like your dad? You're driving me nuts. I've been through this once. I don't want to live through it again. Acting just like your dad. Here's the point we need to understand. The DNA of the father is in me. The DNA of the father is in my boys. The DNA of the father is in their sons as well. So here's the question. Is the DNA of the father seen in you? Is the DNA of the heavenly father seen in you? Do those around you see a likeness between you and the heavenly father? That's the question we need to ask. And you need to broaden your definition of who he is for that to be really accurate. Because so many times we think God's just love and peace and mercy and fluffiness and all this kind of stuff. No, he's holy. He's righteous. 
He's just. He's a God of wrath and a God of judgment as well as being a God of love and grace and mercy. Come on, folks, don't have a perverted view of your heavenly Father. Know who He is and understand His characteristics and then say, is the DNA of the Father seen in me? See, how do we receive the DNA of the Father? Well, we learn about it in John chapter 3 because Jesus met a religious ruler by the name of Nicodemus at night where no one would see him. Nicodemus didn't want his, his uh, compatriots, the members of the Sanhedrin, those that he rubbed shoulders with. He didn't want them to know he was meeting with Jesus. So he found him at night. And in the midst of that conversation, Jesus said in verse 3 of John chapter 3, unless a man is born again, He'll not enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus kind of scratched his head and he said, I don't get it. How can a man be born when he's old? Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. What's he saying? He's saying there's a natural birth that marks the beginning of your life here on planet Earth. That birth, figuratively speaking, in the language of Jesus, is that birth of water. But becoming like the Heavenly Father, becoming godly, requires a second birth. That's why Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. It requires a second birth. One that happens when we confess our sins to Him as our Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit plants a seed of redemption and restoration and reconciliation and forgiveness deep into our heart and deep into our spirit, and begins the process of making us look like the Father. He drops the DNA for godliness into us at that moment of salvation. So we understand that first to be, have that DNA, we have to be born again. And if you've been in church all your life, or if you've never been in church before this morning, if you're not born again, you will never have the DNA of the Heavenly Father. It only comes through that experience of accepting Jesus as your Christ. I don't care how many times you have said prayers and wrote and repetition. I don't care how many times you have taken communion. If you've never been born again, the DNA of the Father is not in you. It only comes when you're born by the Spirit of God. Secondly, we learn to share the heart of our Heavenly Father when we live with Him. Let me put it this way. Godliness is better caught than taught. You see, because when we try to teach it, we get into rules and regulations. We get into dress codes. We get into do's and don'ts because that's all we can do because man doesn't understand godliness. Godliness is better caught by spending time with the Father than it is taught through man. When you, all, how many of you are parents? Raise your hand. Everybody that's a parent, raise your hand. Everybody knows this statement to be true. Transference of values is the secret to good parenting. If I want my kids to be good kids, I better teach them the values I want them to embrace at a very early age. Listen to me. If you wait until that kid is seven years old, you already raised a hellion. You may as well forget it. You're not going to turn them around. Only God can bring a miracle in that case. I'm telling you, they start when they're in the womb. 
You read the word, you pray the word, you believe the word, you sing the songs over them. And when they're born, you read the word and pray the word and pronounce the blessings over them and declare you're a child of God. You have a destiny. You have a future. God has great things in store for you. You do that and watch and see what happens. But you let that kid come out and raise himself or let the TV raise him or let the video games raise him. Oh my goodness, Katie barred the door. It's nothing but hell for the rest of your life. You know I'm telling you the truth. And I'm challenging you to step up and be parents and raise godly children because transference of values is the secret to good parenting. If you want your kids to have your values, you've got to model them for them. You've got to show them. They've got to see you in hard times and how you respond and how you react. They've got to see, is your faith real or is it an inch deep and a mile wide? Is your faith going to anchor you when the diagnosis is bad or is it going to cause you to turn away from God and blame God? You see, that's what we need to understand. When we have the spiritual DNA of the Father in us, then we replicate that. We reflect that. We show that to those around us. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is John chapter 15. Because in John 15, Jesus gives the illustration of a vine and its branches. And really, when we're talking about godliness, first, we're born into it. But second, his life flows through us to develop godliness within us. And if we aren't connected to the vine, the branch is going to die. If we aren't connected to the vine, we have no hope of becoming godly. He said in John 15, verses 5 through 8, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now there's a lot of times we take verse 7 right out of the middle of that, don't we? We take verse 7 right out, we pluck it out, take it out of context. You can ask whatever you wish, it'll be done to you. No, that's not what he said. He said, if you remain in me, if you're connected to me, if the life of the vine flows through you, then you can ask anything and it'll be done unto you. But not until you have first been attached to the vine and remain in the vine. So the life of the vine flows through you. His point is this. If we're not intimately connected to Jesus Christ by faith through the practice of spiritual disciplines, the life of the Spirit doesn't flow through us. We'll remain fruitless. What does fruitless mean? Fruitless mean it means without evidence of our family heritage. Without evidence of Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior. For He is the life source that brings growth in our lives. So see, friend, godliness isn't about adapting a new set of moral values. It isn't about joining a church, being baptized. It isn't about turning over a new leaf. Godliness is about Jesus flowing through you. It's about His character, His personality, His His person living and flowing in you. There's only one way we do that. That's by making time for Him. By giving an opportunity to speak into our lives through His Word and by His Holy Spirit. This is another way we allow the life of God to flow through us, by coming together. You know, there's so many people that don't want to go to church anymore. You know why? Because it's the same old, same old. 
They never hear anything positive. All they hear is, give us your money, be back next Sunday. Oh, I've come to tell you, when you're living in the vine, every time you walk through the doors, the Holy Ghost of the living God speaks truth into your spirit. He supercharges you. He infuses you with godliness and power and holiness and hope for the next day. So every time we come together, it should be expecting God to pour some more DNA in us. Pour some more life in us. Don't be that dead church. Be a live church for Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying, and I'm wrapping it up right here. We'll finish it next week. What I'm saying is that godliness requires cooperation. When you were born again, the DNA for godliness was deposited into your spirit. But in order for that DNA to grow, you have to practice disciplines like prayer and Bible reading and coming to church and loving your brothers and letting Jesus shine in you and through you. It doesn't just happen. You have to practice godliness. There are times when you'd like to just rip somebody's head off. I know I'm the only one that ever feels that way. I get it. Y'all are perfect. I'm the one that has all the issues. I get it. There are days I'd like to just rip somebody's head off. But godliness says, take a step back, take a breath, and let patience have her perfect work. Let patience have her perfect work. There are times when circumstances wants to steal your joy. But you've got to take a step back and say, no, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and devil, you're not going to take it. There are times when circumstances and conflict arise and your peace is threatened, but you've got to step back and say, oh no, I got DNA in me. He said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. You can't have it. It comes from Him. There are times when you're so weak and you don't think you can go on. In those times, you've got to remember that the Apostle Paul was in the same place and he said to the Corinthians, I have learned His grace is sufficient for me. In my weakness, His strength shines. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to stop fleeing from issues in life and standing in godliness, allowing the DNA of God to flow through us and show how wonderful He really is. Listen, this thing of Christianity, it's not about just getting to heaven. That's the benefit. That's the bonus. That's the highlight reel. That's the trophy. This thing about Christianity gives us everything we need for life and godliness. How? By these exceeding great and precious promises, whereby we become partakers of His divine nature. Carnal Christianity needs to die. Doesn't mean you're not going to get angry. Of course you are. You're human. Doesn't mean you're not going to get discouraged. Of course you are. You're human. Doesn't mean you're not going to be upset. Of course you are. You're human. What it means is in those times, something rises up within you and says, I am not going to accept this. My Father has a better plan for me. He has spoken life into me. I've got to tell you this story before I quit. Yesterday, we had a men's meeting here. The whole conference was here. There's probably 150 men present. One of the guys made, I wanted to stand up and shout, get that garbage out of my church. He made this statement. He said, I have a genetic curse in my life. 
He was talking about heart attacks. I got news for you. I don't live under the curse. I live under favor and blessing. The curse was destroyed at Calvary. You may be sick. You may have problems. But it's not a curse. It's a part of the battle. And I will not let anybody who's following my teaching understand you are not under a curse. You live under blessing. Under blessing. Why? Because the DNA of the Father flows through you. Because Jesus won the victory at Calvary. You and I can truly say because of what He did, I'm going to make it. I'm going to survive. I'm going to press through. And I'm going to determine that from day forward, from today forward, I'm going to do what's necessary to fight the good fight of faith and let godliness flow through my life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Tom, come back. You're in this room today, and you have never taken the first step toward godliness. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he may as well have been talking to you. He didn't understand how it works, and you really don't either. He said, I don't know, how can I go back and be, get back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, no, you don't get it. Flesh births flesh. Spirit births spirit. I've come today to tell you it's time for a new birth in your life. If you're tired of the way things have been, if you're tired of the same old, same old, isn't it time for a change in your life? Isn't it time to ask Jesus, who is the greatest, most powerful, wonderful, loving force in the universe, to come into your life and to begin to direct your steps? Isn't it time to confess your sins, ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and the Holy Spirit to deposit the DNA of the Father into your heart and into your life? That's you. I've just talked about you and talked to you. That's you. Right where you sit. Would you lift your hand and say, that's me, preacher. I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to be forgiven. I want the DNA of the Father deposited into me today. Slip up that hand as I wait just a moment. Let me speak to you then. You're here this morning and you say, more than anything, I want people to see the DNA of my Father in me. I want to hear people say, you're acting like your Heavenly Father. You're talking like your Heavenly Father. You really resemble your Heavenly Father. I want the DNA of God, godliness, to be exhibited in my life every day. That's you, right where you sit, stand your feet. That's me, my desire. I want the DNA of the Father to flow through me. Stand your feet across this room. Doesn't mean it's not already happening. It means that you want more of God, more of His presence, more of His grace, more of His glory flowing through your life. So when people see you, they say, oh yeah. I know who your father is. His name is Jehovah. He is the Lord of the universe. His name is Elohim, the creator God. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, his name is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of peace. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord of provision. You want them to see him flowing through your life. Father, right now I pray for every person both in this room and watching online, and those who will watch later. I pray now for a mighty anointing and impartation of the Spirit of God to fall upon their lives. 
I pray, Lord, that you would increase godliness in our lives. Make us more like you. God, I'm the first one to raise my hand and say, I want to be more like the Father. Make me more like you. Oh, Lord, when I go back to Fairview and people say you're just like your dad, let it be that wherever I go in Tallahassee, they begin to say, oh, you're just like your father. You're just like your father. Let your image, your glory, your presence, your virtue, your godliness, your holiness, your righteousness, your sense of justice to begin to rise in me. So that those around me say, yep, there's the DNA of the Father. Let that happen in this room today. Holy Spirit, now hover over this crowd like a thick cloud. Imparting spiritual DNA into our hearts and into our lives. Make us like you this morning. We can never legislate it. We can never religious make it happen through religion. It only occurs by the Holy Spirit of God making impartation into our life. Make us like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.